0: All right, are you guys excited for the new Top Gun movie coming out? How many of you have never seen Top Gun? That's, that's just messed up. That's just messed up. I'm not sure I should say to watch it because there's some parts you probably shouldn't watch and a lot of words that I know I'm not supposed to tell you to listen to. But I grew up with Top Gun. It was on my A-list growing up. I grew up with Highway to the Danger Zone. I was the little boy on the three-wheeler riding down in the pastures of Alabama where I would spend my summers on the three-wheeler, riding the horse as fast as I can, screaming, Highway to... I was that kid. Um, I grew up with Top Gun. Maverick is the man when it comes to Top Gun. Uh, in fact, today we start uh, advertising and really pushing our men's retreat uh, coming up at the end of September. Uh, it's $20 cheaper if you register today, men, than if you register tomorrow. Tomorrow goes to normal price. Today's a pre-registration price. So, ladies, this is your opportunity to buy your husbands for Father's Day or your men in your life men's retreat registration. But, But Maverick... Is, is something, and, and that's our theme for the men's retreat this year. And Maverick is a guy who breaks all the rules. He, he seems to constantly break the rules. He flies upside down, inverted. Come on, y'all who've seen the movie. <laughs> giving the California howdy. International relations and communication, he calls it. He's not afraid to go after the girl. He's not afraid to, even once she says no, to chase her down to the extent of even chasing her down in the restroom afterwards. I mean, he's just going to chase her down wherever she goes. He's a little bit cocky. He's a little bit arrogant. Maverick is not just his call sign. Maverick is what he is. What if I told you that Maverick looks more like biblical Christianity than most of what we see biblical Christianity looking like in our world today. Especially when it comes to manhood, especially when it comes to modern versions of men, where you see Christian men portrayed as a Ned Flanders on The Simpsons. Come on. Or, Or you think, what does a Christian man look like? You think of Mr. Rogers, and I love Mr. Rogers, but he doesn't actually look like any of the biblical characters that you will see in the Bible. What if Maverick looks more like a Christian than Mr. Rogers does, more like a Christian man? What if I could propose to you this morning that Christian men look more like Chuck Norris than Mr. Rogers, that we look more like Maverick, we look more like Michael B. Jordan, we look more like Liam Neeson. Can you imagine Pastor Liam Neeson? You don't show up for three churches, he's like, I'm coming after you. I will find you. I will get you. Right? Pastor Liam Neeson, I really think Liam Neeson sometimes looks more like godly examples than most of the godly examples we have before us. You know, men and women are built differently, and I know we're not supposed to say this kind of stuff nowadays, but it's still very much true. Women are built to be much safer than men are built to be. Men live for adventure, and you see this constantly in Ada and I's world. If I throw Emma up in the air, Ada's going, make sure you don't hit her head on the ceiling. I'm like, the ceiling is 14 feet. Do you really think I'm going to throw her that high, right? Because that's what a child sees. That's what uh, a child sees. That's what a mother sees, right? I I pulled up a couple memes. How about this next one? This is how a mother teaches her child to ride a bike. This is how a father teaches his child to ride a bike. We're we're built a little bit differently. You go to the zoo and you feed the animals. This is how a mother nicely feeds the animals. The father's just dropping him down in the raccoons, man. Just just feed him by hand, son. Hold your hand still. They won't bite. Hold your hand still, you know. How many of your dad ever said that to you? How about this next one? This is how parents, how moms walk their children, how dads walk their kids, right? But you see this constantly with Ada and I. Like, Like if a child falls in our driveway, if one of the little kids fall, like Ada runs. Like, you think she's a paramedic. I mean, she's like a paratrooper. Jump, like, ah, you okay? Are you okay picking up? I'm like, dust yourself up. Get up, boy. Let's go. Come on. Where's the men at? He just like, but they fell. I'm like, they need to fall so they learn to get back up. Come on, somebody. Y- y'all got to, y- like, like this morning, I'm just going to say it this way. Instead of saying, come on, somebody, or any of those church things we say, I'm going to say, talk to me, Goose. Come on. If you don't know Top Gun, you don't even know what I'm talking about right here. But. Talk to me, Goose. See, see, men. Men are designed to live more dangerously. Men are designed to go for it. From the time we're little, we're building forts in the backyard and wrestling and doing flips off the high dive and and doing things that that doesn't make it make sense in some of the females' minds. We we are designed to live dangerously. We're standing on first base, going, I can beat that throw to second. It's built into the DNA of manhood to stand next to the edge of the Grand Canyon. Can I tell you, I stand like this all the time, y'all notice this, I dangle my feet off the stage. My wife gets nervous every time I do. Other ladies in this room have told me, you make me so nervous. I'm like, I'm just keeping you paying attention, right? Like you're going to fall off. I have never had a man come up to me and say, pastor, when you dangle your feet off the edge of the stage, I get nervous. You're going to fall off, right? Because men aren't designed that way, right? Men aren't designed that way, but women do, right? And if we're not careful, can, can I go deep for just a second even before we get into the word? America has become feminized because of a lack of men. Not a lack of males, a lack of men. And, and I don't and I, and I, I want to just go deep for you with, for just a second. Let me tell you what's happening uh, before we even get into the message. And it's not, it's, I just want to help make some sense of what's happening in our world right now. We have a whole generation that has grown up with single moms. And dads who are absent, even when they're in the house, are oftentimes absent. And a single mom, when they are forced to raise their kids, and this is nothing against single moms, it's just the way it works. Single moms protect their boys by trying to encourage that adventurous spirit out of them. Dads encourage the adventurous spirit in them. And so what you see that happens is, is you end up with, in fact, we even use this language. For moms, you have mama's boys. For girls, you have daddy's girls, right? We even use that language. What happens is a man knows that you are going to go through some hell in life. He knows that to be a man, you're going to have to grow up and be tough. You're going to have to survive some stuff that's not so easy. You're going to have to get up when you don't want to have to want to get up. And you're gonna have to push through when you don't feel like pushing through. So as a father, you teach your boys how to be tough. Women do the exact same thing. And so mothers will teach their daughters to be tough by standards. And so, so the mother knows, listen, you're going to have to fight through some things, and there are some sexist things inside of our society, and you're going have to have to push your way and, and break through some glass ceilings. And so mothers will teach their daughters to be tough. And so what happens is when kids are raised by single-parent homes that are just mothers, oftentimes the mother teaches the daughter to be tough but never teaches the son to be tough. Because she doesn't know what it is to be a boy. She knows what it is to be a girl. Are y'all with me? So then you end up with very strong females and weak males. You have great women and weak men. That's what begins to happen. And that's what we're seeing in our society today. We have a lot of males. We don't have a lot of men. So what am I saying? Let's, let's go somewhere. I want to say this when we talk about biblical Christianity. <coughs> and I want to call out the man inside of the males in this room this morning, that following God is not safe. I know you've probably heard people say that the safest place to be is in the middle of God's will. You tell that to three Hebrews in a fire. You tell that to Daniel. You could make the argument, yeah, it is. But if you're really going to follow God, it's going to be moments in your life that he causes you to do things that take a maverick spirit. And what I want to do this morning is unleash the maverick spirit inside of the men in this room. Somebody say, put your aviators on. There's a wildness in biblical manhood. There's a craziness to it. There's a great adventure that God is calling us to. Make no mistake, you follow a man A man named Jesus who has fire in his eyes and a sword in his hand. So we've been in this series on Hebrews (coughs) called Greater Than. And during this series... We've been looking, just as the writer of Hebrews does, this compare and contrast between the old covenant and the new covenant. And how do these Hebrews, these Jewish people that now have this new covenant, learn to retrain themselves to acclimate to a new covenant, not law-based, but grace-based. And they're learning all this. And in Hebrews chapter 11, one of the most famous chapters in the entire Bible, he starts reflecting on their heroes. He starts reflecting on all these Jewish legends. These, These men who had come before them, that they grew up reading about and studying about. And, and we call it today, we call it the Hall of Faith. Anybody ever heard that? Hebrews chapter 11 is the Hall of Faith. It's this hall. It's, it's, like, the, it's like I went to the NFL Hall of Fame not that long ago. And it's like the NFL Hall of Fame with all the busts. And, and the writer of Hebrews is taking you on this tour of people with great faith in the Old Testament. And he's pointing all these things out. And I'm not going to read the whole chapter for you. In fact, we'll come back to this chapter again in a few weeks in this Hebrew series. But I want to jump ahead to verse number 32 through 34. And I'm going to make three points based on those three verses today. And after he names all these people, a few of which we'll name in a minute. After he names all these people, he says this. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. Talk to me, goose. Quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, and put foreign armies to flight. Are y'all ready for this? If you're taking notes, number one, And by the way, this is a message designed for men, but ladies, this is your heritage as well. So don't make mistakes. I'm just talking to men more specifically. I'm your, I'm your coach this morning. Number one, daring is in your spiritual DNA. Daring is in your spiritual DNA. Notice verse thirty-two. And what more shall I say? For time, for time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and David and Samuel, and the prophets. Who are all those people? Who are those, those guys? Well, whoa, 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 whoa. he says Gideon. Gideon tears down the local altar of Baal, the Asherah pole. He comes out and says, listen, I've had enough of this inside of my community. And he goes down and rips it down. In the middle of an, in, an enemy army of Midianites that's 135,000 people, he has 35,000, dwindles it down to 25,000, keeps going down until he has 300 I preached a number of years ago for Father's Day. I said, just give me 300 men. Just give me 300 men. It's like the movie 300. We played off that. <coughs> Gets down to 300 men. And with 300 men, Gideon defeats 135,000 Midianites. That's your heritage, y'all. That's the men that followed you, that preceded you. Listen, if that, if that were me, I, I, would say, I would say negative ghostwriter. The pattern is full. I'm going I'm going to incorporate as many of these as I can just cuz I can. And if you've never seen Top Gun, I'm sorry, but that that's your heritage. He mentions Barak. Barak led a battle against against the enemy in Canaan named Sisera, who had 900 chariot advantage over him, and he led the battle and won it. Let's talk about Samson. We could talk for a long time about Samson, one of the many exploits of Samson. He gets so ticked off one time, he picks up a donkey jawbone, the closest thing around him, and kills 1,000 Philistines around him. That doesn't look like Mr. Rogers to me. I haven't seen him do that on his playhouse or whatever it's called. I don't know. David runs up to a giant with a sling and a stone in his hand in the name of God and slays him. And we always skip the second part on the flannel graph. He doesn't just hit him with the rock and the sling and stone. He pulls out Goliath's own sword, this mega sword. This young boy pulls it out and chops his stinking head off. This is your spiritual DNA. This is what what you see following you in the Bible. He mentions Samuel. Samuel's an anointed man of God who anoints kings and boldly gave the words from God. He mentions prophets. These are people that stood before kings and men and proclaimed that they must change. That we are not going to act like this in this land any longer. People like Elijah who would stand up in front of 850 prophets of Baal and Asherah and stand up before them and say, my God is greater than your God. Where are those men at? Where are those men at? That's our spiritual DNA, and that's not even mentioning people like Noah that he mentions in Hebrews 11 before we get to this verse. Who, who people probably thought he was so crazy, but he had this maverick obedience to God to build an ark, even when it had never rained. People like Abraham, who, 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 who we always want to celebrate being Father Abraham, but we forget that he had a nephew by the name of Lot that's taken captive. And Abraham says, not on my watch. And he gets his best 318 men of his own little tribe. And he goes back and he rescues his nephew Lot. Where are the men at who are chasing down their nephews and nieces? Where are the men at? (coughs) People like Moses, he mentions. Moses, who stood before Pharaoh, the most powerful person on planet earth, and said, let my people go. And when he says no, he keeps coming back. Let him go. Let him go. That's your spiritual DNA, and that's what the writer of Hebrews is trying to say. And this isn't even New Testament people. People like John the Baptist who would stand up before Herod, the very king of the land, and say, Listen, you are living in sin, and you need to get this right. (laughs) People like Peter who would cut off the ear of a soldier coming to arrest Jesus. (laughs) He was packing, y'all. People like Paul who would speak the truth in the face of tremendous adversity. He would be stoned, he would be beaten, and yet he would keep getting back up and walking right back into the city. In fact, one passage says in the book of Acts that he was stoned and he was basically dead. I don't know if he actually died and came back or whatever, but they left him for dead. And when he revived, it says he got right back up and walked right back into the city. Where are those men at? Where are those men at? Talk to me, Goose. Amen. <laughs> Men, we're wild at heart. It's in your spiritual DNA to be wild. You feel the need, the need for speed. It's in your DNA. God is calling you to this life of adventure. And to quote another Top Gun phrase, you're not going to be happy until you're going Mach 2 with your hair on fire. I know that's not a perfect example, but the truth is God is calling so many of us to more than we're living. That's the reason why so many men, we love, we love heroic movies. We love action flicks because God has called us to this. So we love those stories because we know God has called us to more than just life as we've known it. And so you can feel that need deep inside. I know the men in this room, I don't care if you're 100 years old or 13 years old. The men in this room, you feel that deep inside. Of you. you know there's a higher calling. You know there's something more that's out there. He's calling you to the highway to the danger zone. Highway to the danger zone. That's what I was actually calling this message originally. Highway to the danger zone. That's why men love to be called upward and challenged. Because it's in your DNA. It's part of being a man. In fact, tell me what I can't do and you'll usually see me do it. It's in my DNA. There's a maverick spirit. Number two, look at verse 33. Number two, faith is for the fierce. Verse 33 said, through faith. Through what? Through what? Through faith they conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Faith is for the fierce. But yet that's not the picture of faith that we usually see demonstrated before us nowadays. Why is that? In the Middle Ages, the church started to embrace this idea of bridal mysticism which took the idea that we were the bride of Christ and and feminized the church in a lot of different ways. And so we started lighting candles and praying to Mary and different things like that started going on and uh, priests started to become unmarried. That's not a very masculine thing. So we started to become more and more feminine and risk and adventure was taken out of the church. In fact, we started calling the building sanctuaries because they're safe places. But men crave risk and adventure, it's, it, we, we created a chick flick version of the church. Full of emotions and loving and sweetness and sharing and communications and feelings. All those words that men love. <laughs> I walked through the living room the other day and Ada was watching My Fair Lady. I kept walking. <laughs> men don't naturally love those things. Nobody's ever called me. Pastor T- Tony's never called me and said, hey, man, you want to come over and watch Titanic? <laughs> ever After's coming on. You want to come over and watch it with me, Billy? It just it had to happen. <laughs> Sleepless in Seattle, Pete. You want to come over? We don't talk like that. You know, one time I did call Tony and I said, hey, you want to come over and watch Ford versus Ferrari? We watched that. We watched that. You put surround sound with those car noises, that's a masculine movie right there. One time Tony reached out to a bunch of men in the church and back when True Grit was coming out. said, how many of you want to go to True Grit? We filled up the theater from our church of a bunch of guys who just like passed the word around and wanted to go see True Grit. Why? Because we love those kind of stories. But we don't like the chick's flicks version. And yet, it's so often the case that we have made that in the church. Think about the modern church. We sing. We hold hands. We get dressed up. You know women were involved in that. Come, uh, come on, men. Talk to me, Goose. If I'm wearing a suit and tie, it's because there's a funeral, a wedding, or my wife made me do it for something. That is it. That is it. Which, by the way, the funeral and the wedding are still wives making me do it. It's just not my wife. (coughs) And so we end up with this hugging culture, which I'm not against hugging. Y'all know me. But I just want to point out those are, those are kind of feminine, girly kind of things. And then we paint this picture of heaven where you get to go to heaven and you sit on a cloud and you hold hands. And you play a harp like a little fat baby in your diaper. And all the men are like, yes, I want to go there. Because that's the image we have of faith. But that verse said, through faith. Just, just go to that next slide. Through faith what? Listen to this language. Through faith, conquered kingdoms. That's manly language right there. Enforced justice. When you saw injustice being done, you didn't tweet about it. You enforced it. You stepped into it. You did something about it. Obtained promises. Stopped the mouths of lions. Quenched the power of the fire. Escaped the edge of the sword. Were made strong in weakness. Became mighty in war. Put foreign armies to flight. That's your lineage. That's what faith is. Faith is not for the weak. Faith is for the fierce. Through faith, not foolishness. Sometimes we call foolishness faith. <laughs> sometimes we call foolishness faith. There's another great line from the movie that says, uh, that was some of the best flying I've ever seen yet, right up to the part where you got killed. Come on. It's not foolishness. It's faith. It's faith. When I talk about being a man, it's not going around and just doing foolish things. It's not being bold for the sake of boldness' sake. It's boldness for following Christ, which will lead you into some crazy situations sometimes. See, these men of faith were iron men. They were fierce men. None of the men in the Bible were girly men. They were not afraid of confrontation. They were not wishy-washy and back and forth. They stood up for what they believed. They kept moving forward even when life was throwing rain and pressure at them. They did not bend or break under pressure. They were people that took a licking and kept on ticking. Come on, y'all. Where are the men at? Where are the men at? I, somebody dared me to say this, so I'm just gonna, I said it to them personally, they said, you're not going to say that Sunday. I said, I'm going to say it. They said, no, you won't. I'm so sick of Christian men that look like and act like they got neutered when they got saved. <clears throat> I'm just telling you. I was coaching in this, this little flag football thing, this Christian thing. My wife could tell you. She, she laughs at me. My, my wife could tell you. And all these men, God bless them, these Christian men, it's like they lost their masculinity somewhere down the, it's like, 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 like you know when, when like people in the Old Testament, especially when they followed the Lord, they got circumcised, not castrated. <laughs> These men mixed up the two and they got castrated when they started following God. And so they're teaching their boys about, about sports. They're like, oh, it's all just for fun. It's okay. Let everybody get the ball. Make sure everybody just has a good time. That's how moms talk to their kids. That's okay for moms. I'm coaching my kids. I'm like, no, you're going to run faster. You're going to juke that joker. You're going to catch that ball. Don't you drop that ball. Don't you. You dropping my football, boy. Don't you drop my football. (laughs) What's that line from Remember the Titans? You get blood on that jersey. That's my jersey. Don't you get blood on my jersey. (laughs) Why? Because that's how men talk. We're different. But yet too often the church becomes feminized. (laughs) That's not our heritage. That is not where we come from. Can I just tell you about our church? Do you know how our church was launched? In 1959, Bill Wynn goes down to the district office of the Assemblies of God, and he goes down to the district office, and he says this to him. He says he had been driving by the Brandon, and every time he did, he said he felt like his heart was being pulled out of his chest. And so he stands before the superintendent as a very young man at the time. I think he was still in his 20s. And he stands before the superintendent and says, I feel like God is calling me to plant a church in Brandon the superintendent says, well, Bill, lots of good men have tried to plant churches in Brandon and failed. Bill looked back at him and said, God didn't call me to try to plant a church. He called me to plant a church. Yeah. That's men. That's what men do. That's what men do. There's a boldness there. There's people like Jim Elliott who eventually gave his life in the Aka Indians trying to witness to them who said he is no fool to give what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. You ever come to my home office, you'll see that quote on behind me. People like David Wilkerson, who, when Nikki Cruz, the gangbanger, pulled out a knife and was preparing to cut him and said, Boy, he said, Man, I'll cut you into a thousand pieces. David Wilkerson replied back, You can cut me into a thousand pieces, and every one of them will still cry out, I love you. This isn't, this is manhood. This is what God has called us to. But we get this bridal mysticism which paints this picture of Jesus where he's skinny and pale and wimpy. And, and then you see this modern version of Jesus where he's just always happy and the wind's blowing through his hair and he's wearing sandals and he's really a hippie is what he really is. Where do you see that in the Bible? Jesus was a man. He was a carpenter. He had calluses on his hands. He got so frustrated, he threw temple tables over and whipped people, literally made a whip and whipped people out of the room, y'all. He confronted wrong teaching. He confronted heretics. He, can, he, he would say things that would make your blood curl if you were there next to him at the time. He called people names. But John Eldredge says it this way. For after years of living in a cage, a lion no longer even believes it's a lion. And a man no longer believes he's a man. Because we've been taught that biblical manhood means being nice. I'm not talking against the fruit of the Spirit. I'm just saying there is an inner strength. There is a character. Faith means guts. It means courage. It means adversity. Through faith, people are walking on water and killing giants with a rock. Wake up, mighty men in the room. Wake up. (laughs) My third and last point. Males are born. Men are made. (laughs) Males are born. Men are made. Listen to verse 34. They quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. They were made strong and they became, which means they weren't always. In order to become something, it means you weren't always that thing that you became. They, they were made strong, meaning they weren't always strong. No, notice that. Notice that. You you in this room can be made strong. You in this room can become mighty. You in this room, I know we stopped raising men in our society and started raising males, but no matter who you are in this room, God is calling you to a higher standard. You feel that deep inside of you and you can become these things that God's called you to become. But instead in our society, if we're not careful, we have men who talk big but live small. We're really good about talking Another great line from Top Gun, son, your ego is writing checks, your body can't cash. See, one of the problems with America is that we are full of males and have few men. What do you mean? What's the difference? We, we become upside down. We become inverted, if you will. Males can impregnate a woman, but it takes a man to be a father. Males can convince a woman to marry her, but it takes a man to be a husband. Males can get a job, but a man is going to hold a job. That's two different things. Males can make money, but men will spend it on somebody other than themselves. Males can be violent, but men protect the weak. Males have, they're going to have adversity that comes at them like everybody else, but men are going to triumph in the middle of that adversity. Males can own a Bible, but men will actually read it. All males will pass away, but true men will leave a legacy to be remembered. They'll leave an impact on their sons and on their daughters, their grandchildren. Something more than just a last name or a tombstone leaving behind. By by, by the way, I, I was thinking about this literally yesterday. I wrote this into my notes as I was praying and contemplating this message. You know, you carry the last name of your father and that used to mean something. Think about that. You didn't carry the last name of your mother. You carried the last name of your father because it was your father's job to build you, to mold you, to make you into something that was strong, something that could take that licking and keep on ticking. So, and so, so people used to say, oh, oh, that's Pete Wheeler's boy. That meant something. That meant he had character. He had integrity. People, people used to look at you like that. It's kind of like saying you were built for tough. It doesn't matter if you're a Ford person or not. I know all the men have a perspective on that. but Like saying you were built Ford tough. You were built Simpson tough. You were built Kramer tough. You were built Emmanuel tough. It used to mean something by that last name because fathers had that responsibility and you did not dishonor your father's name. You were trained. At the beginning of Top Gun, when they go into the Top Gun program, they look at him and they say, this is what you've been trained for. This is what you've been trained for. It's time to retrain our men. Now I'm not talking about being macho man. That's not what this is about. (coughs) It's not about being a macho man. It's about being a strong man of courage and character. It's about being a man who stands in the gap. A man who protects his families both physically and spiritually from all attacks. A man who will not run away at the first sign of trouble. It's not about being macho. It's about having a deep integrity of soul inside of you. See, manliness is more than the size of your truck tires, your biceps, or your bank account. In fact, the size of your heart matters a whole lot more than the size of your man parts. Great men are not defined by the weight they can lift, the amount they can drink, the women they've had sex with, or any other of those standards. Manliness is so much more than scaling mountains, killing animals, or finishing fights. Manliness is defined by courage, honor, heart, and faith. It's an inner strength that doesn't allow you to compromise your convictions. And it holds you together when everything else is falling apart. Manliness is a beautiful combination of integrity, character, chivalry, and grit. A man will face storms, brave winds, and swim upstream. A man will be strong enough to fight in wars and gentle enough to cradle newborn babies and wise enough to recognize the difference between those two. And in the midst of the plethora of emotions between these extremes, a man has the wisdom to know which emotion to use in that moment. To embrace becoming a man is a noble quest. To become a man is a noble quest. To be made into a man is a noble quest to be undertaken. And that's what God is calling us to do. So this is not about being a macho man. It's not about being a macho man. It's about being a man of integrity and character. Integrity and character. A man like Tony Parker who can put down a bottle through God's help, and he will give, you, give God all the praise for that, who will put down a bottle because he says this bottle will not control my rest of my life and can be an alcoholic for years and say, no more. I'm becoming a man. A man who looks at the drugs or the alcohol or the cigarettes or the marijuana or whatever it is and says this thing will not control. I will not be controlled by a three-inch stick. This thing is not going to control me. I will be controlled by God Almighty and him alone. That's what men do. I refuse to be controlled by anything other than God. Uh, unnamed men around this room that I could name, but I won't embarrass them. But men who say, I'm going to stop looking at women lustfully. I'm going to stop looking at porn. I will not be controlled by this and get the help needed to do it. Men who fight for their marriage, not in their marriage. Yes, men who stand up for righteousness in their family. When she's lost that love and feeling, Men who help her reclaim it. Men who are strong and powerful. That's what God's calling us to.